I think comfort is the enemy of greatness, and comfort is the enemy of progress. But comfort is also a reward mechanism for humans. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome back. Today, we have a truly inspiring guest joining us on the show. Meet Rob Moore, a self-made multimillionaire entrepreneur and best-selling author who co-owns seven successful companies in real estate and finance. Rob's journey started from being $75,000 in consumer debt to achieving remarkable success. He believes in starting now and getting better later, embracing discomfort for growth and redefining failure as mere stepping stones. Get ready to learn how to turn weaknesses into strengths, challenge yourself, and take action towards your dreams. Let's dive into this insightful conversation with Rob. Hey, Rob, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? Very good, Tyler. Hey, I got to tell you, I'm super excited to talk with you. You're kind of a, a mentor to me, a virtual mentor, I'll say. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. I've listened to you on YouTube all the time. You have great guests. So uh, if I get a little starstruck here, be patient with me. <laughs> I'm just a normal guy. I'm so normal. It's all good. Okay, man. Hey, so where I'd love to start is I a little bit about you. And then I know you've built multiple eight and nine figure businesses. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit. So can you start maybe with a little bit about you? Yeah. So I got into business and real estate about 17 years ago. I was actually working in my dad's pub. I was £50,000 in personal debt. I was approaching my 26th birthday. I felt really lost. I was quite bitter to the world. I felt like everything was against me and not fair. And I resented successful people. And my dad had been an entrepreneur his whole life and shown me the entrepreneur's way. But school and college and everything just took that fire out of me, sausage machined me down, get a job and don't take risks and, you know. And my dad had a nervous breakdown in his pub in front of all of his customers and he was beaten up and sectioned by the police. And for months we weren't able to see him. And I remember being on the front lawn outside the pub with my sister and my mum who were crying their eyes out and these two policemen were beating him up. I had just felt this intense shame. I can't even tell you. And for weeks, I just beat myself up all around. Why am I such a failure? Why could I do nothing to help my dad? I'm still working in his pub. I'm fast approaching 30. And as I was bouncing around hating myself, a local gallery owner, he was selling some of my art that I was doing part-time. He'd been telling me to get into real estate. And I would always say, well, I've got no money and what do I know about real estate? And don't you need to be rich to be in real estate? And yada, yada. And he was like, look, just go, just go. And he'd been trying to talk me for a year into going. And then when he told me after what had happened to my dad, I immediately went because I felt like I had nothing to lose. And that very same evening, I met my business partner, Mark, 
who I'm still business partners with today. We've now built the UK's largest property training business, fast approaching 25 million a year in sales, soon to be coming over to America. (laughs) So my friend Grant's going to have to either watch me or partner with me. (laughs) I've written 18 books on business and real estate in that time. I'm making up for lost time, Tyler. And I broke the world record for the longest public speech. I've got one of the biggest entrepreneurs membership sites in the world, Rob.team. And I feel like I'm, I've got my mojo back and I'm on this mission. I own 300, and, I think it's 360 property units my business partner and I own. We've got 1,350 tenants. We've got a 99 apartment block that we keep, makes a million and a half in gross income. And that's just one property. And life's very different now. And so the worst day of my life, in some ways, was the biggest blessing as well. Is this something like at the age 30, you're kind of like, we're probably at your low, trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do? And now you're extremely successful. Is this something you always had inside of you, you think? Or is it something someone can develop and get on the right track? I mean, have you always kind of had this inherent ability to see opportunity and dive for it? Or just curious? I think where the question could lead us, yeah. I can answer generically and then I can answer about me. Sure. So generically, of course, some people are born with certain character attributes that might make them more prone to take risk or more, they might even get a thrill out of risk. Because, you know, I look at my kids, for example, and before they could even speak, you could see different character traits come out. But most people use that as an excuse to not develop skills and traits themselves. So I would say you could be born with more of a leaning naturally. But if you take someone who's born maybe with more risk-averse traits, but age one month, you put them in the school of hard-knock entrepreneurship for 20 years, they're going to be an entrepreneur by the age of 20, no doubt. So I think environment is probably bigger than birth DNA. Because until you can find me a doctor who says, oh, that's the risk DNA gene there. You know, that's the salesmanship gene there. I don't think there are genes for those skills. Right. So environment is massive. And it's proven because when I was in the school and college environment, I got into debt because school and college and banks want you in debt. When I was raised by an entrepreneur, I I was working at age six and seven. When I got into an entrepreneurial environment, I started to make money. So the biggest thing someone can do if they want to be an entrepreneur or they want to become successful is put yourself in that environment where there's people already there. You will become it. Now, for me, I have certain pains and voids which drive me, Tyler. So I used to be the most overweight kid in my year at school for three years. And so I have this hole in me that wants to prove that I'm worthy of respect and admiration and I'm not useless and I'm not picked last. And it's funny because I'm 44 now, but sometimes I still feel the shame that I felt when I was 12. Wow. And that is such a driver, which I used to hate about myself. But, you know, I broke the world record for the longest public speech. I've just taken on a fight with someone who's 25 kilos, heavier than me. I built the UK's largest property training business. I wrote the UK's most successful book on money. And I did all of these things because I have this void and pain inside me, which I need to keep filling. You know, some people say, yeah, I'm really motivated. You know, when people tell me I can't do it, you know, just tell me I'm going to fail. And that motivates me because there's a void in them. 
Right. So I, I think if anyone's lost, not feeling good, not feeling like they're achieving, you want to attach success to your voids because your voids drive your values. And what you value is something you're trying to fill and fulfill in your life. Once it's fulfilled, the value goes and the driver goes. So it's like, you know, people, they go down the gym twice a day because they want to go out and date. And then they get into a marriage and then they get overweight and lazy. And then they divorce. And then at 50, they're back down the gym and they're back on social media because there's a void that they're trying to fill. So I guess I turn my pain into gain. Right. But what, like for you, once you reach this pinnacle, I mean, you've got so many things that you've been successful at. Do you think you'll ever get to a point where it'll be like, okay, that that fight to want to prove that you can do anything? Do you think that'll go away because you've accomplished so much? Or do you think you always have that in you? No, um, it'll never go away. Okay. And I'm okay with it. Okay. I've gone to that dark place in my soul and I've faced it. And I know that that's how it should be. Because it's funny, Tyler, you said I've got to the pinnacle. I don't see that I've got to any pinnacle. Ah. I could name authors who've sold more books than me. I could name, you know, my friend Grant Cardone in America. I think he's more like 70 million, 50 million in his training business. You name anything I've achieved and I can pick 10 people who've done more than me. So I'm not that guy who thinks I've achieved and I'm at the pinnacle. I'm that guy that thinks, you know, there's more to do today. And I come from a place of, I must work harder. I must do more. I must be better. And that can be draining at times, Tyler. And there can be a lot of self-loathing and criticism. So I had to go to that dark place in my soul and go, look, as a man and a human, you're good enough. But as an entrepreneur, keep hustling. And that balance between, you know, being okay with who you are and and loving yourself for who you are, but still you need the whole to fill. Because here's the thing, like a lot of people think to start a business, you need a load of money. But actually, if you're in debt and you're at rock bottom, that's that's hunger. Right. And the the more hungry you are, the more you're going to hunt. So actually me being in debt gave me hunger. If anyone's struggling, you can turn that hunger into gain. Yeah. What do you say to people that maybe don't, they have drive, but maybe not at the level you do, where they do become complacent or comfortable when they get to certain levels. Is there anything you can do to mitigate that other than being getting down to the bottom where you're hungry and you're poor? How can you find that moderation where you're still pushing, but maybe not at the level that you are? Well, first off, you know, when people say that person has drive, that person's lazy. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I think you could take what we perceive to be a lazy person, get them doing something that they love, and all of a sudden they're driven. So entrepreneurs or look at people who've just settled for an average job and say they're lazy, but they're not lazy. They just haven't chosen yet to be driven in business and entrepreneurship, but they'll show driven qualities in other areas. So And the reason I say this is because you can't label someone driven and someone lazy. You can label someone driven as an entrepreneur or lazy as an entrepreneur. So that's that element dealt with. So don't label yourself. My son keeps my son's 12 and he keeps telling me he's got ADHD. I'm like, you've not got ADHD. Stop labeling yourself that you've got ADHD. You have not got ADHD. You're 12. You don't want to sit in Latin. That's normal. You know, I would get, I would have ADHD in Latin. We all would. Because I don't like it. Right. Right. Now, when it comes to comfort, this is a different thing, Tyler. 
Now, I think comfort is the enemy of greatness and comfort is the enemy of progress. But comfort is also a reward mechanism for humans. So what I try and do is set myself a meaningful challenge that makes me uncomfortable. So like 15 weeks ago, someone challenged me to a fight. I've never had a fight before. I accepted. I've got seven weeks left. I've lost over a stone. My boxing skills are pretty good. There's going to be 1,600 people there. I'm going to raise 130 grand for charity and I'm going to win the fight. And that has challenged me in ways, Tyler, that you know we haven't got long enough to talk about. But it has got me fit and fast, and I'm going to raise a lot of money for charity. So I intentionally made myself uncomfortable. So what most people do is seek out comfort, Mm -hmm. but true entrepreneurs, they seek out discomfort. They say yes to hard things. They set big goals and challenges. So if anyone is comfortable and complacent, think, where could you challenge yourself? Maybe write a letter to your boss with your resignation letter in it. Don't you do it, Harry. But maybe (laughs) write a letter and give it to someone and tell them to post it in a year. And now start your side hustle. Mm -hmm. Shit's going to change when you do that. But that's scary. Absolutely. But you only get growth in uncomfortable and scary. You don't get growth in comfortable. It's funny. There's like a reoccurring theme when you say, you know, when you're at the point of hunger, you're pushing, you suddenly have the desire to push yourself. And when you're in your uncomfort zone, your desire to push yourself, there's kind of a theme there for us humans and how we kind of get to the next level. Yeah. And that, that never changes. Like what people are looking for is the destination. You know, the pinnacle, you said that, oh, I'm at the top of the mountain. No, you're not. You're at the top of a hill. You haven't even got on the mountain yet. And you're at the top of the mountain But now you've got Mount Everest and now you're the top of the Mount Everest. And now you're like, well, what's next? That's human nature. I believe that's evolution forcing us into growth. So the savior to comfort and complacency and apathy is challenge because in challenge you grow. And I'm going to say something which I think most people would not disagree with me. The greatest feeling in our lives Like, everyone think now about some of the greatest feelings you've ever had. My guess is they were immediately after something very hard, not something very easy. Like, think of the things that you felt the most like, wow, this is unbelievable. And you felt that you'd achieved something great. Days, weeks, and months before it, it was hard. Like, the biggest and best things I've done in my life have been the hardest. And the reward is the greatest in relation to how hard it is. Like, you know, you don't just raise 130 grand for charity. I did it when I did the world's longest speech. I broke the world record for the longest speech. That was hard, Tyler. That was hard. I had out-of-body experiences and visions. I lost my voice completely. And now I'm about to have a fight with a guy 25 kilos heavier than me. That is hard. And I'm training like I'm fighting Floyd Mayweather. But when I win that fight and then there's the 130 grand for charity, how I'm going to feel amazing. Well, hopefully, uh, sounds a little dangerous to me. So hopefully uh, you're taking the appropriate precautions. Yeah, being fast, being fast. <laughs> if you don't get hit. <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you. Hey, I want to shift gears. So, okay, I got it. 
in terms of working hard and then getting that accomplishment, it absolutely is a high. You know, I recently ran a half marathon and I'm not a runner. I'm also preparing for a marathon. And it was like the coolest feeling for someone that's not really a runner to get through it, albeit I was kind of slow. But to your point, I had to work for it. And it felt so good to get to the end and go, hey, you met your goal. So it, that really speaks to me. What do you do, though? Let's shift gears. Now, what about failure? So have you ever, in, in your post-30, things that you've done where you it hasn't gone as planned? And how do you deal with that? And what what's your way to rebound? And when do you cut your losses? So failure is only failure when it's final. Okay. So honestly, as you said that word, I sort of tried to search for things I would deem as a failure and I can't pick one thing. I can tell you mistakes or I can tell you things I did with the best intentions that I got wrong. I could tell you moments of weakness and vulnerability, but I haven't failed in the last 17 years because I've never lost anyone's money, never had to wind a business, go bust. I've closed business is down. Um, but never gone bust, never lost third-party money, which maybe I would deem those as failures. So I've made mistakes, maybe been a bit greedy, maybe not been greedy enough. Maybe I've been too hard on the negotiation table. Maybe I've been too soft on the negotiation table. I've done all of those things, but none of them are failure. And in fact, I know this is like when I ask people questions like this, I always get pissed off when they say, oh, no, I've got, I haven't got any regrets and I haven't had any failures because they're all lessons. Right. But I have to acknowledge the truth in that. Sure. A failure is only a failure when it's final. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. But I have to acknowledge the truth in that. A failure is only a failure when it's final. So let's say you close, you know, you said you close to businesses. Arguably, that could be considered a failure, or it could be cutting your losses or going in a different direction. How do you make those decisions? Like, how do you decide? And maybe failure is the wrong word, but how do you decide maybe you're going down a path that just doesn't merit your time or isn't going to give you the return? How do you deal with that both on a, yeah. a psychologically, because you're very much all about you know succeeding and winning when you're deciding, making a decision that maybe is not going to lead to that result? Yeah. So sometimes you may have to cut a loss on a business or a product or a service, but sometimes you cut a gain. Mm. So I've had businesses that I've cut that overall made me a lot of money, but the world changed. Give you an example. I made millions out of e-commerce. And then when Amazon monopolized e-commerce, that didn't really work in the same way. And so I evolved into information from e-commerce. Did I fail because I closed that business down? No. Did I cut losses? No. I cut millions of previous gains but then had to change as the world changed. Now, sometimes you try and you lose and you have to um, shut the door. So let me give you some practical things to think about. Number one, 
Did you get in for the right reasons? If you got in because you did a lot of research and you're pretty passionate about it and you're in it for the long term, you've got it in it for the right reasons. If you got in it because someone sold you well or you wanted to make a quick buck or someone pressured you in, you got into it for the wrong reasons. So if you're looking to get out, first off, look at, did you, are the reasons right to get in? Number one, if the reasons are right to get in, maybe the right decision is to carry on. Because sometimes people cut losses too soon. You know, you don't plant a seed and come back for the tree the next day. So you need to let the roots grow, the fruits show. The next thing is, does it still work? And that's sometimes hard, Tyler. So I had a business that I closed down because finance and mortgages changed and the model didn't work anymore. And for probably a year, my business partner or I clung on to the old way, thinking it would be okay. At times it was him, at times it was me. But we both looked at each other and went, we know this isn't sustainable, not because we've failed, but the world has changed. Because lockdown, for example, some businesses thrived, some businesses died. So the next thing you've got to be honest with, does this still work? And if it doesn't work, evolve. So to me, shutting a business down isn't failure or closure. It's evolution. So I had a portfolio building business, which was one of my main businesses, seven or eight years, no, 10 years ago, maybe. And it it did really well for years and made millions and then quickly didn't work. And within a year, I'd evolved that into education. And, you know, the education business makes a lot more now. Sure. Earlier in the show, you talked about risk. Is your style when it comes to risk, are you like a, calculate really heavily and decide if you're going to move in an area? Is it more of a gut thing? How do you approach taking on risk and maybe going into a new area? Well, I have a business partner who's relatively risk averse. I have a wife who's relatively risk averse. And I have an MD who's relatively risk averse. So I kind of let them do the diligence, research, think about it, talk about it, talk about it again, talk about it again, talk about it again. And while they're doing all that, I say yes or no. So by the way, that's not advice because saying yes or no based on your drive and your intuition doesn't work if you haven't got 17 years experience and analytical or risk averse people around you. I happen to have that. At times, I feel like they hold me back. At times, they feel like I'm the helium balloon that they've let go and they're trying to pull back from the sky. And people see that tension as bad. Right. I don't. I see that tension as really good. One of my favorite bands is Radiohead, and they disagree all the time on influences and styles of music. And I think that's one of the things that makes them great. So most people are like, oh, well, I don't want anyone to hold me back. Maybe you need someone to hold you back. But actually, are they holding you back? Or are they getting you to think? But I'm more of a, do I want to do it? Can I succeed at it? Is it the right time? Those questions usually take me about 0.3 of a second and then I hit the button. Maybe as I've got older, because I'm 44 now, Tyler, maybe I'll take counsel. I'll think a bit more and take time. For example, when I got called out for this fight, I just decided immediately I was going to do it. I didn't do any research. And, you know, I'm six weeks away now, or seven, and I'm thinking, yeah, there's a lot of things I probably should have known. But would I have done it had I been told all those things up front? Maybe not. 
Okay. Hey, Rob. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I, you know, I absolutely love your podcast and watching it on YouTube. You've had some really cool guests and some that kind of jumped out at me was, was David Goggins. I love his two books. Andrew Tate, I found kind of fascinating just to have him on there. What's that like to, I know this is a silly question, but I'm just curious, what's it like to interview such cool people? I mean, I'm getting to interview you, which is a cool person, but what's that like? It's great. Probably one of my favorite things in the world. In fact, Harry, who's head producer, he also drives my cars when we go down to shoots because he's got the best job in the world. He drives 200 grand cars of mine. It sounds like it. And he was asking me, you know, what's my favorite part about the business and all the businesses we have? And it's actually interviewing and meeting really interesting people and having deep and meaningful conversations. That's my favorite thing. Now, some of them, like Andrew, I stay in touch with. In fact, now I make more of an effort to stay in touch and we make sure we swap numbers after each because sometimes my manager or producer, they're the ones that do the back and forth. But I make more of an effort now to connect with the person on a human level afterwards and stay in touch. So what is better in life than meeting really interesting people and having deep and interesting conversations? There's not much that's better than that in life because sometimes we forget that Business is still about people. So it's great. And yeah, I I love it. I love meeting people who've got power and influence and aura and energy. And that's the best job in the world. Yeah, it's cool. You do a really good job. I love, I was recently, you know, I can't say I'm a longtime fan. I recently became introduced to you and I started just kind of absorbing all your content. And you ask some really great questions. You you make it very conversational. So I think I'm going to try to emulate your style a little more if I can get there. Hey, so just in terms of wrapping up, I always like to end with a, a question around either a business or a life tip, something in your journey that you can share with us that we can maybe apply to either our business or our personal life. Is there anything you have off the top of your head? Yeah, there's something that's very simple. I'd love to sit here with my big gray beard and cross my legs and tell you something so wise that Tyler's jaw, you could hear, hit the desk. I would love to. But unfortunately, my wisdom's more simple than that, Tyler. Do it now. JFDI, just fucking do it. JFDS, just fucking do something. We're all putting off life. We're putting off a hard conversation with someone. Do it now. And then all that pain and emotion around it will disappear. We're putting off a life experience. Go and live it now because you don't know when your last day is. We're putting off start a business. Start it now even if you don't know um, everything you need to know. I wrote a book called Start Now, Get Perfect Later. And stop putting it off and do it now. That I don't know anywhere in life. Say I love you to someone you want to say it, but you don't know why, but you haven't. Learn about investing and go and buy a property. Just go and do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? And in 99% of the time, doing it now pays. Love it. That's a strong one. Hey, your website is robmore.com. I'll put this in the thinktyler.com show notes. Your podcast, Disruptors, awesome podcast. And then you also have another podcast, The Money Podcast, which is also uh, pretty cool. I, I listen to a few of those. I need to listen to some more of those. Anywhere else, if people want to reach out to you, you'd like them to go to, Rob? Well, look, they're going to get probably a thousand plus hours of content just from those, maybe more, because I've been doing content for a decade. 
But, you know, on social media, I'm pretty active on all the socials as well. And most of my handles are Rob Moore or Rob Moore Progressive. But that's all good. I've got written loads of books on business. You can find them by just typing my name in, Money, Life Leverage. They're all there. Okay. Well, hey, good luck on your uh, boxing event here that you got coming up. Is, is that going to be on TV? For the people in the States, is there, can we see that? Is that going to be anywhere? No, it's we've managed to sell nearly 1,300 tickets and we've still got seven weeks left, which is not bad for two guys who aren't boxers. But, well, look, maybe if we sell out the tickets in a couple of weeks, we might go to a, a live stream. But um, it's on July the 1st. More V Leeds, L-E-E-D-S dot com, if anyone is in England. Okay, well, good luck. I hope you... Uh... Hope you're the last one standing. And thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your time. Thank you to you too, Harry, the producer, for setting us up. And I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, everyone. Take care, guys. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast.